0: Log Talk Radio
1: Welcome to Night Light.
2: Welcome to Nightlight, everybody. So glad you could join us tonight. This is one of my favorite shows. <clears throat> Once a month, Mary Joyce from Skyships Over Cashiers visits with us and shares with us some of the material from her amazing, amazing website. She is uh, an amazing reporter and chronicler of the unusual, and it, I think one of the fascinating things about her site is that she has. She has double checked and triple checked every story before it goes up so that you know you're not getting um you know garbage news at any way she it is she researches it and and the material she puts up is phenomenal and she has decades of of archives there that you can tack, you know tie tie into and research material for i have i have gotten lost in it myself any number of times and there's always just one more article that I want to read. But she has graphics with everything. And it is, it, it is an enjoyable, enjoyable website to peruse your way through. And it's updated constantly. How she does it, I don't know. Because I have trouble reading a book a week. I can't imagine what she goes through to get all of the material that is put up there on this amazing, amazing website. So please, after the show, um, check it out. It's Skyships over Cashier's. And it is an amazing website. So I'm welcoming Mary to the show because it's a great topic tonight. I'm really excited to get into it. So welcome, Mary. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you?
0: I'm all right. Thank you. Um, we, you and I had talked about what we were going to talk about tonight, and it's going to be more like story time because after okay. I did my book, um, Cherokee Little People Were Real, Uh, the Cherokee people realized that I wasn't laughing at the idea that there were little people. And so I began to get real stories uh, from as far away as uh, South Dakota to here in, uh, you know, uh, where I live in the western part of uh, uh, North Carolina. And some Uh of the stories are just kind of intriguing. Uh, One that's popping into my mind right now is a man who contacted me. He was 70 years old. He was Cherokee, and he wanted, he found out about my book, and he wanted to tell me about his experience when he was back in his 20s. Now, those would be like, you know, 40, 50-year-old memories. And he yeah. said that he and two of his buddies went bear hunting here in the mountains of western North Carolina, and there was this terrible storm that came up. And so they took refuge in a, a cave that they found, uh, and they spent the whole night there. And um, during the night, one, one of his two friends woke him up and said, listen, be, care- be quiet and listen. And there were little people right outside the cave. And he said that they spoke in old Cherokee. In other words, he and his friends could understand regular Cherokee, uh, but they could only understand a few words with these little people because they were using um, an archaic form of Cherokee and the next, they they were there all night. I suspect he didn't say this, but I suspect that uh, the uh, uh, three Cherokee men were in the cave that the little people really wanted to be in. And he said the little people stayed outside the cave all night. And when they got outside the cave the next morning, of course they were gone. But he said there were lots of little footprints about the size of a five or six year old. And oh, what? You know, when I first did the book, um, Cherokee Little People Were Real, I was just trying to preserve um, information from these old-timers who had seen the caves and seen the little skeletons, and um, I just didn't at that point think that they were still around. Well, I no longer think that way. There may not be a whole lot of them, and if, if the Bigfoot can hide out in the woods and we don't see them very often... Uh, think how much easier it would be for a, a toddler-sized little person to uh, oh, uh, yeah. escape our escape our um, uh, our view or our eyesight or whatever. So that was one of the stories that came out. And then another time, <clears throat> there was a, a a young Indian woman. She was in her oh probably middle twenties. She never would have spoken to me except about this subject except she and I had a mutual friend that we both trusted. So after a lot of convincing, she told me some wonderful stories. And the first one's really, really cute. Um, her family has a, um, like a little trailer up in a remote part of the Cherokee Reservation here in North Carolina, and they use that when they have picnics and family gatherings, so they have a place to, to cook and also a restroom. So the whole group or the whole family or clan was up there, and um, the kids, and at that time she was much younger, uh, they were all playing hide-and-seek. So she went into the trailer to hide in the shower, and when she pulled back the curtain, there was a little toddler-sized man with a big grin on his face. Oh, wow. uh, She described him as looking like Mowgli from The Jungle Book. And, of course, he said it scared her to death, and she ran to her daddy. But the little guy wasn't trying to scare her, and he wasn't trying to, you know, steal food or anything like that. He saw the children having fun, and he decided he wanted to join in on it. So those are two stories that just pop on the top of, top of my head uh, right off the bat. Um, so I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that uh, there are little people.
2: Now, I mean, we have the little people, the Cherokee little people are basically just miniatures. They're not dwarves, and they're That's not... Correct. Um, so how are these... Are they, are, in any, are they in any way connected or similar to the little people in Ireland? Are they the same stature and stuff, or, or do we have... Um, you know a different variety i guess
0: well in the different... more I, the more i learn the more i find out there is quite a bit of variety um even here in north carolina there's uh there are the little people who look you know pretty much like the cherokee do the same coloring and dark hair um, uh-huh. but they're the, the cherokee talked about um a race of little people that had red whiskers and squinted in the sunlight, and they didn't like those. They would kill them if they saw them. So there's a totally different, yeah, I know, and I'm not real sure why. um, But in my book, uh, I have a picture of um, one of the medallions that shows uh, it it was ancient. It it washed up during a, a major flood, and it has almost like a leprechaun face on each side of it. And um, I in the book, I have that right next to uh, one of the drawings of a leprechaun, and it looks the same. So that's a drastic difference from those that look like the Cherokee. And then up in Tennessee, I uh, met with an, uh, another man who has, I think, 200 acres of land, mostly wooded, and he has little people living on his land, but they look totally different. They look like Europeans, and they wear... Pants that look more like uh, uh, lederhosen and their coloring is like Caucasian. And huh. so there's three in a very, uh, very confined space. I mean, Eastern Tennessee and North Carolina, and there's three varieties right off the bat. So uh, no, there's there's variations just like we have the Chinese and the, uh, you know, the American Indians and the Caucasians, and so there's there is variety.
2: I wonder are they are they indigenous to certain areas like the North Carolina and the Tennessee areas are, are are basically as far as climate goes pretty mild actually so do they you know have they been spotted or seen you know further north where it's much colder or further south where it's a lot hotter well
0: i can answer that with some more storytelling uh, a couple okay. of years ago I was out in South Dakota and went to the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation and was fortunate enough to meet uh, a woman uh, probably again about, I think she was 29 when I met her. Uh, Her um, grandfather was a shaman. Her older brother was a shaman. And she didn't have any titles, but just talking to her, you could tell she was a very intuitive type of person. And she opened up and told me uh, uh, stories about little people being on their land, and I assure you that uh, South Dakota has some pretty cold weather. And oh, yeah.
2: Um,
0: one of the first stories she told me was uh, uh, she and her cousins, when they were like oh, young teenagers, maybe 12, 13, 14 years old, uh, they took their grandmother out to the, the little creek or the river, and they set her up on a chair so she could fish. And then the kids went further downstream so that they could swim in the water and not bother the grandmother who was fishing. And out of the corner of her eye, she saw um, and heard something go plunging into the water and saw some bubbles, didn't think much of it. They went back to check on the grandmother, and the grandmother had just caught a catfish, and the catfish was running away with the, with the, the line. And so she told the kids to go catch it, go catch the, the, the catfish. And um, so the kids jump back in the water, and they go down, and they manage to catch this fish before it gets off the line. And as they're coming back up off the bank, there were these little tiny footprints in the same area where they had been swimming and had seen something bubble in the water. Um and then she followed that up with a, a story that happened in another time. And um, I don't know if it was a brother-in-law, but somebody who was related to her and his buddies were in that same stream only further down, I believe. And they found a little cave off the side of the, uh, the, the I'll call it a creek, and they went into it. And they found um, small-sized arrows, small-sized bows, a, a, a quiver and a little drum and they took them and they took them back to their where they live and they showed it to their grandfather who immediately got upset he said don't mess with their stuff and he told them you need to take that back and apparently they really did upset the little people because uh, she said for the next two days their chickens were being killed and you know things like that were happening Um I kind of have sympathy for the little people because they're little, and if yeah. uh, the big people are going to come in and break into their 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 cave and take their stuff, what are they going to do? So um, I guess their mischief only lasted for two days. But um, those were those, those were some of the tales I heard from um, uh, this woman out in in uh, South Dakota.
2: Now, if you if you go to your Cherokee little people. Those those people from your book lived in underground caves and underground tunnels. Um, are, are you kind of assuming that, that most little people live underground?
0: Um, all the stories that I have heard have been where they retreat to caves or retreat underground. And even the earliest stories, when the Cherokee first... Um, came to North Carolina because they originated uh, around the Great Lakes. When they first uh, arrived here in the mountains, they saw these little gardens, but they didn't see any people. And eventually they saw these little people come from underneath the ground, come out and get the produce from their garden and take it back down uh, into where they live. And they called them, at that point, they called them the moon people because they came out at night.
2: Ah, that's fascinating because I have often felt out of the corner of my eye. I've seen little people, but now the little people I've seen are, are littler than these little people. They're, well, they're,
0: and they're, and this is—they they are. There are. There's a whole other line of them. The ones I've been talking about are like toddler size, and for the first time, I'm going to be. Uh, jumping into a whole new area. Uh, The article will be published by by Saturday, I believe, if all goes well. And it's um, the story of a man who uh, went um, camping with his buddies, and the whole plan was to go camp in the uh, National Forest uh, in South Carolina and then to get up the next morning and go fishing. Well, they're sitting around the campfire and having a good time, and the man who's telling me this story um, said he got tired and he went over and sat on a, a cooler. Um, and his buddy came over and said, "You know, are you all right? Is everything okay?" And at that very moment, he saw something move off to the to his left or right. It doesn't matter. And uh-huh. of course, he immediately was concerned that it might be a bear or a panther or something that's wild in the woods. But it was yeah. a little man who he said was only about 12, 13, 14 inches tall, that jumped up on a a mound of dirt, and he described him as looking very much like a leprechaun. He said the hat wasn't the same. The hat was, you know, not pointed. It was kind of a floppy hat with a flat top. And um, he didn't have a beard. He had brown hair. It was neatly cut. Um, And let's see, what else? Uh, He wore his uh, pants uh, tucked into his boots. Um, He said that all of his clothing was in various shades of brown, so he said it would be easy for this little guy to camouflage into the woods. And the little guy actually spoke to them. He could not understand them. It was a different language, but he could tell by the tone that he was the little guy was simply greeting them or saying hello or saying here I am, and uh-huh. uh, the man's buddy just freaked out and he went and rushing at the little guy he was going to stomp him out, and oh uh,
2: my,
0: the little guy jumped and ran, um, and then the the guy who had panicked he took a deep breath and backed up, and the little guy came back and uh, was very angry, and. He gave what uh, most of us would know as the Italian up yours uh, sign. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, I mean, he was he was very angry. All right, much long a much greater length of time, this man met somebody else who actually believed his story and knew what he was talking about. This second man. Um, he and his buddies would go camping and hunting and fishing in the same part of this forest in South Carolina. And they had they had made friends with this little guy, and sometimes they would give him beer. And so in hindsight, the little guy was just showing up thinking he might get some beer, which is the way the story seems to have worked out. I would never have printed that story except this guy is a professional and, you know, has a reputation that you have to take seriously. Plus, I learned learned about um, a little mummy that was found out west. Uh, I think it's the Pedro man. I'm not sure I got it right anymore. And this little mummy is 14 inches tall, and it had been violently killed. Uh, The head had been smashed in so that the brain was totally exposed and the back was damaged, and I don't know, the collarbone was broken. But this, was the, this uh, little mummy was examined by two credible institutions. Um, one of them was the um, American Museum of Natural History, and then the results that they found were certified by Harvard University's anthropology department. So this little mummy, um, 14 inches tall, they, the the uh, results were he was about sixty five years of age, that's the same size as the little guy they they the uh, the man told me about here in the South Carolina uh, uh-huh. forest. So you put those two stories together and you go, okay, we have to be open minded that this might be real.
2: <laughs> well, you know, the last time we were going to talk about little people, I did some research. And I found that here in Tennessee, there have been um, a great number of little people bodies buried in several different places um, as though a war of some sort had taken place. And, you know, people were, they, I mean, we're talking hundreds of, of little people bodies. So, um I, I I I tried to find where the skeletons had gone and there was there's a um they were taken to a lot of them were taken to one of the um museums here in Tennessee and I think when the museum moved, um they, they took the bodies with them but when they re did their displays and everything the bodies were not put out anymore. So there there apparently were Great numbers of them i mean it it's it's the same thing as with the giants. um They found vast places where there was obviously a war of some sort and and there were hundreds of bodies buried um, of a giant nature and then I don't know if it was at the same time frame or not I mean because I, I don't think they even carbon dated to see how old the bones were, but um you know that the, the, there there were cemeteries of these little people here. So um, I'm wondering if North Carolina, Tennessee, may have been a place where there was a a large population at one period of time. But if if you're going back to the the giant bones were discovered in the 1800s and they were old then, so you've got to be going back, I don't know, 1200s, 1100s, and there's some place.
0: Uh, I hear you. And there's reports of, um, you know, giants all over the world. And I did, a uh, very, very superficial, but I did a little research about giants in the Bible quite some time ago, uh-huh. so I'm not going to be able to, you know, stun you with all that I know because it's sifted into the back corners of my mind. But um, there were tribes, and they each had different names, and certain uh-huh. tribes were known to be giants. So when they would refer to the tribal name, they were actually giants, even if the word "giant" wasn't used. And uh, if you go, I,
2: if you know. if if anybody wants to know about giants, of course, Mary's website is the first place you go. But when you have done your thing there, on my website, there's a whole section um, uh, allocated to giants and giants bone sightings and there's a whole section of giants in the bible yeah
0: they're they're right and people can probably find that easier than they can find it on my website because i'd like i uh, told you before we started this website in 2008 and the archives are just busting so i can (laughs) remember i can remember you know the stories but even i have to go if i'm looking for something specific it takes me a little time to find some of the things
2: well, like you not know, what, what tell I you find, go
0: go here and you'll find it because at this moment, I couldn't tell you that,
2: oh geez. yeah well i I know in the Bible when they talk about giants, they're talking not six or eight feet, they're talking twenty or thirty feet they're talking e- huge Cons- consistently
0: consistently
2: um th- some of them, yeah, but for the most part they're they're at least eight or ten feet they're right. they're now definitely. That I've
0: heard twenty feet I hadn't heard.
2: Yeah, there there are um definitely um sightings or, or bones that have been found that, that are that big. So so the element of giants being around, I mean, they were around, there's no doubt about it. And you know, we have we have shrunk over the generations. I guess I guess we spent thousands of years getting taller and then then hundreds of years getting shorter. Um, not real sure how that worked, but um, it, it was funny when the the guy who's in charge of China, when his father died, and he took over, there was a picture of um, the lineup of the army outside the, the the palace, and you saw all these little heads just about the same size, and then suddenly there's this one that is twice as tall, and, and then they they're all the little. The little guys again. So apparently there are still giants around. At least there was one in the Chinese army a while back.
0: Yeah, well, even here, which, you know, I've I've mentioned to you before, I feel like I really got dropped into a a very interesting place when I moved to the mountains here because Uh um, Mm -hmm. I've talked to um, two people who were anthropology students at Western Carolina University, uh, both of them told me that uh, there were two giant skeletons, like in the forensic storage area, and um, they each had six toes on each foot. And yeah. I hear that also uh, from, uh, you know, different sources that the six toes were common among, I don't know if all the giants, but many of the giants had the six digits.
2: I think one of the things, there was a. A report of them in in a cave in or in Europe someplace and, and Patrick had the name of it and I, I I just I can't remember it that that in the cave they had um, it was from the 1500s and there was a report of the people from the town going into the cave and finding giant bones among other things there and from what I've read from what I've seen it was common for six six fingers on each hand, six toes on each foot, um double rows of teeth, um, fair skin and um red to auburn hair was that that those were characteristics that were common um among the giant folk and um I don't know if you remember a number of years ago I had a um a gal who was helping me out with the show, and her name was Debbie. And um, Debbie's family had um, genetically, um, most of the people born had six fingers, six toes, uh, you know, on each whatever, and double rows of teeth, and she did too. And, you know, mostly they had the teeth pulled and the the digits taken off so that they could blend in, but... um, and they all had the fair skin and the reddish-brown hair. The reddish brown hair, mm. and the that, reddish that hair is certainly
0: is very, very common. Uh, a, a number of years ago I did a story, and I have a photo of a man's hand who is who has the six digits. And uh, it, it's not deformed in any way. I mean, his hand, um, you have to glance twice to realize that there's an extra finger there. But his mm-hmm. skin uh, was was darker, it looked, and the hair on his arms was darker. So it's not limited to um, uh, real white-skinned people, um, just based on that, oh, I, uh, that one thing. No, story. I would imagine. So I think, you're, I I think your description is more common. I think that's much more common.
2: Well, I know that that's, you know, and the, the one thing that they always say, oh, we could take the skull and put it over our own heads, it was so big. Um, that was one of the big things they did in the eighteen hundreds. That was the, you know, they would dig it up and they would say, Look how big this is and then somebody would everybody would take some of the bones and the and the skeleton was gone. So um, it, it, it's well, a shame because it Go ahead.
0: Well there's uh, there's two books I've read, um and I'm sure there's more, uh about giants being found all over the United States and most Uh of those finds were in the 1800s. And in these books I read, there were unbelievable numbers of articles from newspapers from all over the country about finding these giant skeletons. Well, the sad part is that in so many cases, they called in the Smithsonian, and the Smithsonian would take them, and all these skeletons that were Taken by the Smithsonian representatives, um, haven't been seen again. So they no. must have a you know basement three floors down um, in, into the earth where they hide this stuff. And it, I was at a uh, I call it my other office, uh, Dunkin' Donuts, and I overheard <laughs> a, a, a woman a woman talking, and she was an anthropology student. And so I started talking to her. And she told me that um, uh, a few years ago that those giant skeletons at the college or at the university and the little skeletons, uh, uh, there's a little skeleton uh, of a little person, um, had all been taken or sent off to the Smithsonian. And I'm going, oh, my God, we will never see this stuff again. So uh, I'm so I'm so glad I did my book because... Nobody else had recorded this information. And um, I initially just did it as an academic uh, paper and gave it to the museums. Um, But I kept learning more, and I got photos, and I got location maps, and, you know, just learned a whole lot more. And so it turned into what I call a regular book.
2: Well, I know when um, there is a rumor, and I, I can't, you know, even tell you where I saw it, but I've seen it in a number of places, so they're either all using the same source or it's something that's out there that the Smithsonian took a big um boat like they put trash in and stuff and they put all of the skeletons on it and they took it out to sea and dumped it.
0: I hope that's not true. I hope they have it hoarded away in you know, one of their storage areas. I really hope they so did not just destroy it all.
2: I am I'm there with you, but that's what I heard so um you know it's it's kind of you sit back and you think and and of course they're they're trying to preserve the um you know the the evolution of man and Darwin's theory and the whole thing and and they it, yeah i I've lately talked to a lot of archaeologists and anthropologists, and all of them you know they don't want to rock the boat, they don't want to endanger their own reputation. And so they're very adverse to backing anything that is new, unusual, or or goes away from the common thoughts of the day. So uh, yeah, it, we're not it, we're
0: really not a very courageous um, uh, species because that is such a common story. They're afraid they're going to be laughed at. They're afraid that their reputation is going to be shot. They're afraid their career is going to be ended. So much incredible information has been prevented from coming out to the public because of that fear. And you go, all right, we got to have a few brave souls that are willing to, you know, stand up and tell the truth.
2: You would think, but you know, going back to the 1800s, I mean, it's it's just amazing. Even though they had evidence in many cases of of I don't know, a flint or something Predating what what had been thought was the earliest form of it, um, you know. All of the archaeologists got together and said, "No, no, we can't acknowledge this." Then we have to go back and change all of our papers to go along with this. And so, rather than that, they they just said it's a fraud, mm-hmm. it's a fluke, it, it doesn't yeah. exist, and
1: right. and
2: and it, it it's a shame. I recently did an interview with a guy on. Um, deuteronomy scrolls that were that were discovered in the 1870s and the guy that discovered them um they appeared to be real and authentic and he was he was a a dealer and he tried to and he sold on a regular basis uh uh, um, tablets and scripts and all sorts of stuff to to museums so he had a great his name a great reputation his name was moses um shapira and um he he discovered, they think, what was one of the first copies of Deuteronomy, which was um, the small De- Deuteronomy. Uh, the Bible now has like five chapters, but this was the beginning one. This was the first one. And um, he tried to sell them, and, and people said that they were a fraud. And so they kind of. They were at the British Museum for a while, but after his death, and he—they say he committed suicide. I think he was murdered. Um, but but these are these are um, ancient texts that that are still out there, and hopefully they will be able to find them. And and they were discovered ahead of the Dead Sea Scrolls, so they said. You know, squirrels couldn't, couldn't last this long, 2,000 years, in this atmosphere and everything. And then, and then, of course, then sea squirrels came along, and of course they could. So um, they, I had the guy on the show on Monday, and he was, he was fascinating talking about this mystery, and they are trying to search out and find these, these tablets, these pieces of papyrus, not papyrus, their skin, that, that apparently are a very, very early version of Deuteronomy. So and at the time of course all of the experts were saying no it's a fraud no it's a fraud and um you know if they had the techniques today that that they have today they could easily have documented the age and put everything to rest but I mean I understand not wanting to lose your reputation but but still in all if you know it walks like a duck it quacks like a duck and it swims like a duck it it, it just might be a duck mhm yeah, it
0: just might be. Well, um, I promised I, I promised your uh, listeners that I would tell stories, and I'm going to give you two more. The little girl, okay. uh, the young woman who told me about uh, hiding in the, uh, the uh, trailer and the little man was in the shower uh, mm-hmm. or behind the curtain. Um, her mother and her grandmother and her uncle and aunt had all seen little people, too. And her... Um, aunt and uncle lived in uh, Snowbird, North Carolina, which is more remote um, than the Cherokee reservation, and there are more full-blooded Cherokee living in Snowbird than there are on the reservation, which gives you an idea of how it's a much more remote area. And her uncle was very very much into, uh, he spoke the language and was into the culture of the Cherokee, And when she was visiting them once, um, he said um, what he basically did was uh, he spread out flour on the floor, and he said, wait until morning. And the next morning, there were little footprints all over the floor that you could see because he'd sprinkled his flour out there. And uh, she, you know, that could be faked, but she said just because he, you know, uh, spoke the language and really was into the culture... Um, she, you know, believed his story. And then her oh, yeah. mother, her mother talked about um, when she and her cousins would go play on, you know, in the mountains, they had a regular trail that they would go on. And one time they went deep into the mountains and they saw six little people in a circle. And the mother said uh, that in her whole life she had only seen one uh, girl, the rest had all been boys when they'd run into the little people. And um, then the grandmother um, said she'd seen the little people when she would play as a child, too. So there we have um, three generations um, all reporting seeing the little people, um, you know, here in the mountains.
2: I mean, I can understand them not wanting to be found because Lord knows what would happen to them. Um, their culture would be gone whatever whatever culture they've got um, just with people you know wanting to see them and and wanting to learn their language and learn their history it It's such a shame because their their concept of history and their history of their people would be fascinating to get down on paper
0: yes, absolutely, absolutely, so.
2: I mean, and another and,
0: and you, uh, go ahead
2: no I, I the other thing i would be interested in is if because they're living in nature do they have a religion or are they mostly pagan and and you know wor- worshipping you know the seasons and and nature
0: um um i can give you a little bit of an answer the man okay. in tennessee um he he looks like a regular white man, but he comes from the Uchi Indians. Now the Uchi Indians were totally different than any of the other tribes anywhere around here, and they were they looked European. Uh, they uh-huh. also could speak different languages, and they often were interpreters from one tribe to another. Um, and it gets very very involved, but he said that um, the because he asked the little people these questions he said the little people don't have a simple name for the creator uh, they commonly say and this is a quote the one who sings the song unquote ah or they'll use a complete sentence like the entity that became self-aware and started singing the song that created everything so they don't have a simple one-liner to um, stand for the creator According to what he learned from the little people on his land, and they discuss, wow. say their belief their belief is that from time to time the song um, stops and everything goes away, and then it starts singing again, so this would be a little bit like um, these different epic periods of time in human history, um, yeah and you hear that expressed in different ways, but the little people were expressing it in terms of a succession of songs. And um, they said that they were from the first song, which means they were from the first period here on Earth. Um, and he tried to pin them down on how many songs or how many periods that are, there had been. And um, yeah. he, he said he, he, they, he didn't get straight answers. Uh, he would hear uh, four and then six. So, you know, it's like, There there wasn't a consensus on that one. Um, And I'm quoting this man again. He said, They think a lot of the religions are intolerant of each other, which is their big criticism of the Middle East. None of the religions have it right, according to the little people. At least none of them in the Middle East have it right. They say Buddhism is better than the rest. They don't buy into the whole story, but they think that the result is better than most of the other religions. They say that the person we refer to as Jesus Christ was actually a Buddhist. And let's see, when you go to check on their story, it really—well, that's him talking. But I'm—I was quoting uh, the man who um, has the little people on his land.
2: Yeah, but you know <clears throat> that's true. I mean, when you do go into Buddhism and 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 pay attention to it, it it makes a great deal of sense and. I've heard also that Jesus was, a lot of his teachings had Buddhist flavor to them. So if nothing and else, he certainly... Very,
0: there's very convincing stories or, you know, stories that should be at least considered uh, that he spent time in the Middle East or, in, not Tibet in places where the Buddhism was. Um, oh, yeah. When he, when he was um, kind of off the charts because our Bible... Um, Cease is talking about him between, what, the age of 13 and 33? Yeah. That's a big chunk of time.
2: There is a Tibetan monastery that in their records that they keep, um, they have the records of when Jesus visited that particular temple.
0: The the woman who started the Montessori schools uh, took um, a tour group to uh, Tibet, and they went to the temple that you're talking about. And um, at one point, one of the monks came down and brought a book from their library. Their books don't look like ours, and yeah. said, "Here is evidence that your Jesus was here." And um, you know, I, they're not exactly scrolls, but they, their way of recording things is uh, is is different.
2: Oh, definitely. Um, Nicholas Rorick, I think, was the the one that that discovered that and wrote about it a long time ago um it just you know you kind of i think what you do and what i do is so fascinating because we get to dig into stuff that is so fascinating that that doesn't hit the front pages of the newspapers but it's still it's fascinating to understand some of the stuff that's been going on in our culture for for generations. So I mean.
0: Absolutely. And sometimes uh, it feels like um, I'm being guided when I, when I work on projects. Uh, the man from Tennessee with the Uchi Indian background, um, when I was working on the article about that, I discovered something that had just come out. There's a man named Richard Thornton who is uh, one of the leading experts on southeastern Indians. And he had just written this while wow, I am working on this. And he said uh-huh. that the Uchi Indians um, originally came, uh, They, in their own legends, they say they came from the home of the sun across the Atlantic. And they arrived in the vicinity of Savannah, Georgia. Well, this man found out that there was a major, massive flood in Ireland and western France and western Spain, um, in two th- um, 2250 BC, a long time ago, and most uh-huh. of the in, uh, in, uh, most of the people from Ireland uh, either drowned or were forced to leave, and some of those people left on boats and ended up in the Savannah River, and then they went up, you know, from there. So, you know, we we hear forever that there's little people in Ireland. So maybe some of those. Very Caucasian-looking little people in Tennessee uh, originated way back thousands of years ago from Ireland and came over with the big people.
2: Wow! Well, Richard Thornton's been on the show a couple of times.
0: Oh, has he? Really, have has to... he have you, yeah. yeah, ask about it. He's written. I'm, I'm going think to. Book is, is "It's People of One Fire," and. Um, In the article, I'm actually quoting him uh, about some of the things I've just mentioned.
2: I will check it out. That sounds fascinating.
0: Yeah. He says it's the oldest tribe in the Southeast and was neither ethnically or genetically American Indian.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, we have, I mean, there are variations in height and weight and everything in, in all cultures. But, I mean, the little people are really little. and. I just um they remind me of kind of the borrowers did you ever read that as a child?
0: Um, I can't <laughs> remember if I I can't remember if I did or not. I know the gist of the but, story but I can't remember if I actually read it.
2: Yeah, it 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 was little people that lived in the in the walls of big houses and how they mm-hmm. you know sat on thimbles and all sorts of stuff. I I think that you know our culture is so rich and and so much has been sort of poo-pooed and, and erased, and um, it, it's it's so sad because you need websites like yours to to give us some some of the richness that is going on around us. That that I mean, that uh, the lady who who is spotting the villages in Antarctica and and on the moon and on Mars. I mean, there's so much going on in this world that. You don't get when you listen to the news or you read the newspapers, and yet there's so much going on that is so fascinating, and it gives history such a wonderful flavor, and you, you want to dig more and you want to learn more about it, and um, it's so sad because, frankly, in school, history is dry as a bone.
0: Yes. I mean, it, I, I did, you know, I've only I've only learned to appreciate history after I got out of school.
2: When I was very, very young um, and television had just come out, um, there was a show on it called You Were There. And it, what it was was they re- were recreating times in history and you were there with a report, as a reporter reporting the things that were going on and talking to the people who were running around involved in whatever it is. And um, I remember two, the one I remember most especially was the assassination of lincoln and the other was the hindenburg now there's a new new series out there on the history channel and the name of it is i was there hmm. and they're doing the exact same thing however they are putting they they are um they are recreating it to to a degree but but they they have more information than has been out there before on each of the things that they're investigating, which makes it fascinating. Um, They did the Sinking of the Titanic. There was a lot of information there that hasn't been in any of the books that I've read. Um, They've done the Hindenburg, same thing. Um, They've done, uh, I I I can't remember what are the other ones that I've seen, but but every time, you know, I, I sit back and think, oh, you know, how can they possibly have more information on this? And they do. It was really, it's, it's an amazingly accurate depiction of what went on with more information that has been out there uh, for a long time.
0: All right, so, repeat the name like, of the, sh- the current show.
2: I Was There.
0: I Was There. Okay, sounds like something uh, we should um, all check into.
2: Oh, gee, I mean, like with the Titanic, I, I knew that when they hit the berg, they stopped the ship. I did not know that the captain told them to go ahead by half speed to keep the passengers quiet, and going ahead by half speed um, hastened the sinking of the ship. Hmm. And that was just one of the things that came out. It's um, it, it is there were a couple, There's always been an aha moment, and it's, I, I've sat there and said, I didn't know that, but that makes such sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and oh, the, mm-hmm. uh, the the shooting of Jesse James. Um definitely saying that he the James family won't let them um exhume the body of Jesse James because that's not jesse james in the in the grave it's somebody else and Jesse James lived to a ripe old age so mm. i I just um it's it's it, you know don't take it verbatim, look at it and check it out but um it's it's a very interesting show I was very. You know, I, I, of course, I remembered the original.
0: <laughs> well, it really sounds like it. I hope it's on at an hour when I can see it, so that's good.
2: Um, pretty sure it is. It's not on late at night. But, but you know, the little people, I, I still am fascinated with them. I think there's so much more to learn about them and their culture, and there has to be more information out there about them because, um it's a race of people that were here, you know, in the United States for Pete's sakes, and and mm-hmm. there's nothing written about them in the books, and there should be. I, just the same with the giants, but the little people especially, since they're still there, and it's it's like Bigfoot. You know, you see all of the all of the stuff about Bigfoot and hunting Bigfoot and everything, and and just just to throw an ad in for your book on Bigfoot beyond the Bigfoot steps beyond the steps um bigfoot beyond, beyond your, the
0: footprints
2: beyond the footprints it is the sweetest book on bigfoot i've ever read i cried it was so sweet and it it gives you another perspective of bigfoots <laughs> and um i think it's a precious book it's 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 a book that i recommend to everybody thank you
0: um, I had promised little people stories. I'm going to tell you one more before we run out of time. Okay. And this this uh, was the man in Tennessee who has the 200 acres. Uh, it, more than half of it is wooded land, and it's hill, really hilly overlooking a river. And the other part is pasture land. Well, when I went there, um, he ended up taking me up to the top of this very large hill in his truck, because it was rather steep and, you know, it was just easier to get up there that way. And up at the top, there was this, one of those kind of trees that you would like to see in a painting or a photograph. And then there Uh was, you could see where there was this circle in the grass that had been like, um, I don't know, like almost like a path, but not quite that intense. And he said that, he said when there's fog, the little people will go up there and sing and dance in the fog. Now, the funny part of this is he hired some uh, people from another country. He never told me where they were from. I'm guessing they were probably from Mexico, but their culture was different. And he hired them to uh, put in new fencing in the pasture area. And all of a sudden, they all start running back to their car. They disappeared. They never came back for their money. Um, he didn't understand what the problem was, and he ran into them later, I guess, in town, and he asked them about it. And they, you know, I think in broken English, asked him, um, you know, if if he heard this singing in the in the fog, because they had heard it, and they then that spooked him out because then they thought he was some kind of a what do you call a male witch. Um, some kind of a wizard or a spooky man, so that just scared them more. But um, uh-huh. they had actually heard these little people singing uh, in the fog when they went there to um, put in the fencing, and scared scared them quite severely. They never came back. They never got paid. So, if you don't even come for wow. your money, you're you're scared.
2: <laughs> well, I you know, knowing you, I'm surprised you haven't tried to do a. A camera or something to 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 observe them because you were so great with the Bigfoot stuff. You know, it, it seems that this is something that would be right up your alley to chase down.
0: The only time that we've ever gotten uh, any kind of an image of a little person uh, was uh, a couple that are friends of mine that live on you know just a couple ridges to the west of me. They live at the top of the ridge. It's a single lane gravel road to get up there and they have a game camera set up by the driveway into their house or home. And they it picked up, um, I guess an animal had triggered it. that got right in front of the camera. But off in the background, you can see this little figure. And the couple debated between themselves about whether it was a spirit or whether it was, you know, something real. Uh, <laughs> it was in August. It was in August. It was... It looked like the backside of somebody with uh, straight dark hair and either uh-huh. nude or you, could, you couldn't tell if there were britches on it or not. And um, the couple decided to figure out how tall this was and went out and measured it by a tree. And, you know, this is after the fact. And it was like in that three, three-and-a-half-inch uh, height that are three foot, uh-huh. three and a half foot height, which is what you hear the most often with the little people. Um, but anyhow, I took the photos when they finally decided to share them, and I turned up the intensity on the computer. And when you do that, anything that is alive will go into a magenta color. If it's a ghost or a spirit, it will stay white or gray. So I got uh-huh. what are known as legitimate ghost photos. And I did the same thing. And one of those photos showed a ghost playing on the floor with a real live child. When I turned up the, the contrast, the child turned magenta and the ghost didn't. Well, this little figure in the woods went to magenta, so it was not a ghost or a spirit. It was um, something quite alive. But that was 17 years after I first learned about uh, little people. So they're not they're not easy ones to um Ever get an image of?
2: Well, and and I can understand why they wouldn't want to be found or identified. I mean, that you uh, you you give away your your privacy. You give away your life if you're that unusual. But That's you know, right. I would have. I you know, if I was remote enough, I would be leave, you know leaving out treats and stuff like that to make friends. I mean.
0: Well, the I know that the, uh, what... the old the old time Indians do do that, and uh, it, I've I've heard several times that if they forget to put the food out, they will hear pebbles being thrown on the roof, sort of like a reminder that hey, where's our treat?
2: <laughs> How cool is that? Now I know I had I had help in my garden when I was in Connecticut, so um, and I would walk out at dawn or or at dusk and i would you know look at plants that i would say this one needs some help and left you know and because i actually had built the garden on a gravel pit so that there was no reason in the world why i had the kind of garden i had be i had to have help
1: mm-hmm. and
2: um and it was just it was amazing you know a day or so later um plants that had been sagging were were perked up and very happy and um so it 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 I believe in them, and the fact that there are some graveyards here in Tennessee, I really when when I get a chance. And now that it's springtime, it's more likely that I'll be able to get out and get around, you know, a lot more. I'm going to go hunting, hunting them down. I really want to, I want to find some of these grave sites and see if I get any feeling for something other than what what normally you would see around, you know, property like that. It it should be interesting
0: it should be okay. it should be. Okay.
2: i will keep you posted um i just noticed the time um your website is Skyships over cashiers and everybody should check it out it's a fabulous website it will educate you for decades and because mary keeps adding to it you know there is no end so Anyhow,
0: uh, Cashers uh, sounds funny, it, it, but it's spelled just like a cashier at the grocery store. Uh, as you already know, we named it that because the whole website started because we were seeing so many UFOs over this mountaintop town of Cashers. Uh, if I'd known how many directions this website was going to go in, I think I would have picked a different name, but uh, that's how it got started.
2: Well, it's not all about UFOs. You cover every every topic imaginable and I I thank you so much for sharing your time with us again and I look forward to next month all righty you take care you too thanks a lot bye-bye now and everybody thank you for joining in Um, this will be up on YouTube so please check it out Um, if you like what you see please sign up and subscribe to the YouTube channel and um, we will be here again tomorrow night with Cindy Jordan, so do join us then, too, as well. Good night, everybody. With the Lucky Land you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway, and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick, so I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.